0: Missing Figures, True Stories of Power, Perseverance, and Possibility. I'm Sherry Renard and I'm very happy to be talking about Miss Patsy Mink, Congresswoman Patsy Mink, who uh, fought for a lot of things that I've benefited from.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love this. Oh, so I'm excited to talk about her as well. Um, I am a, I would have co-signed with Sherry. I'm a beneficiary of everything she fought for, but I also like that she was a fan of bilingual education. I feel like that's something I wish we had in, that was common in the United States.
0: Yeah, it is not common in the United States, but you should mention you're being modest. You're, you're trying to become bilingual in, uh, in French. I'm trying, but you're, pers- <laughs> you're pursuing it. Yes. You're pursuing it it's important it, it helps break down barriers yeah obviously yeah. um plus it's fun but it is uh, it's fun and it's a lovely language <laughs> but this woman patsy takamoto mink she was the first woman of color may be surprising and first asian american woman ever elected to congress and she participated in a lot of the legislation the 1960s is civil rights legislation that is considered part of the Great Society legislation. I like that phrase, Great Society. Do you? I don't even associate that phrase uh, with all the legislation, which was the Civil Rights mm-hmm. Act and um, you know the Voters' Right Act and something very important that she helped pass: uh, Early uh, Childhood Education Act, um, as part of the Great Society, which. I love the idea of that. It's, it's idealistic, but um, a lot of the people that we've covered were fighting for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as we've discussed many times, we're, we've fallen a bit short, um, but all of these people have pushed it forward in a a very positive way. And, and she's got an amazing story. Uh, Patsy Mink was born in 1927 in the territory that became the state of Hawaii. So Hawaii wasn't even a state yet. And I, she was born on a sugar plantation uh, to Japanese uh, descendant parents. Um, she's considered, they call her sensei, which is a third generation uh, Japanese American. And like a lot of people that we, we highlight, um, she suffered a lot of injustice in her life um, and decided very early on that she wasn't going to put up with it and took that fight to to the very highest levels so that everybody could benefit from her her fight you know she her biggest thing was of course it was she was born and lived during the time when Japan bombed pearl harbor and brought the US into the second world war so this just forget about discrimination. I mean, this is just terror that happened after this mm-hmm. uh, for people that were born in this country. Uh, people that considered themselves American citizens mm-hmm. were were gathered and put in internment camps because they all of a sudden were suspect um, and their loyalties were, were questioned. This is the world that she was living in. Um, so that is one of the greatest injustices but it's a formative thing in her life. And and so what does she do? She's a young person. She runs for class president <laughs> in school uh, at, right after Pearl Harbor. And she wins. Um, so I think that maybe told her something, too, that at least in her community or in that little tiny community of school, she could stand out and still do what she wanted to do. Um, but one of the biggest things that happened to her is she wanted first to be a doctor. She went to school and studied uh, zoology and uh, chemistry, I believe, with the the idea of becoming a doctor. And every single solitary school that she applied to for medical school rejected her. And and she knew. uh, We had another subject, uh, our first, Dr. Uh, Olivia Hooker, she knew. She described it as them saying there was a complication with her application. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, Patsy Mink had a complication with her application for medical school. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah, quote unquote <laughs> complication. And she knew, uh, but it didn't stop her. So what she did was apply to law school. <laughs> so, you know, all these things that, um, that got in her way, at least, you know, if you're a lawyer, maybe you can, you can fight, against them and she got into she got into law school in Chicago as a foreign student, which kind of blows my mind. you know, that's how she got in. They only admitted two women and she was one of them and they were both admitted as foreign students. <laughs> so um, that set her on her way um, to what she would dedicate her life to um, using the law. I heard a very, very interesting description of the law after uh, Justice Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg passed away. And law is about the power of words. And we should like that since we're writers. It's, it's about, about the, power the power of words, words because um, a lot of the stuff that they do is about arguing what words mean <laughs> and, and don't mean. Um, so she used that to basically push for justice around gender, and racial equality, um, and also, like you said, uh, bilingual education and and affordable childcare—all sorts of things that, um, like I said, I've benefited from.
1: Yes, yeah, she. Um, she was definitely. I find like her story just fascinating. Anyway, yeah. Um, but she was. She was the first. She was. Um, was it? She was an anti-war candidate. Uh, for and then she, oh, I mean, I like US I said, president. Yes, she's the first Asian American woman to run for U.S. president. Yeah, I find that, like I said, I'm a big believer in the bi. I like that she was a, um, big believer in the bilingual education. I think that's something that I wish that was pushed more in this country. Um, and then I would say she gave me, and I love that you put this down for like who was most readily known for doing the same thing, like Shirley Chisholm. Like, yeah. I love that I was thinking the same thing as I was just reading through like the notes for this episode and just that that fire of just being yeah. able to stand up and say like this was not this is not right. And this needs to change. And I find it interesting just because I feel like as like, I mean, it, I'm not trying to be stereotypical but I feel like a lot of people deem like women that are from Asian descent as like very meek and very mild and everything like that. And she does not read that way to me. She, and and I think that's awesome, you know? And, and I'm, and she just kind of just pushed through so many things. I mean, she was elected to Congress. She served six terms there in the house of representatives. Um, She formed the Congressional Asian Pacific American caucus Um, and she, I think she just did everything that she wanted to do. I feel like maybe that her having those complications with like medical school and everything like that, with her application, those complications that we all know and love, um, not really. (laughs) Um, I think that just maybe like spurred her to really just push the gun and just be like, you know what? I'm going to impact, I'm going to make change. I'm going to impact, I'm going to be a change agent, whether you like it or not.
0: You know, I, again, I, we have so many subjects that you think, what, what was it? What made them think that, why did they make that choice? Because it's a scary choice to do that. It makes you a target. And I, I, I think, again, I always go back to, you know, if, if it's not in your mind anymore, if you've seen the worst that can happen. And I, I think the fact that Japanese dropped a bomb on Pearl Harbor and she's in Hawaii and you can see what the worst that can happen. And she got through it. And again, it's not information I'd love anybody to get firsthand, but I don't know. It just, I think there's a fearlessness or at least a, you've got a, a, a higher tolerance for pushing yourself Um, when some of those scary, scary things have been in your face and you managed to get through because when, when I talked about her going to, she went to college at the university of Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska, you know, so she's coming from Hawaii and I can't think of a a starker contrast to go out to the fields, you know, the the lovely billowing fields of Nebraska. And, um, it's kind of like some of our former, you know, subjects, she faced housing segregation at Mm -hmm. the school and so she formed an unaffiliated students uh union kind of at the university for students of color who were they were prohibited from joining fraternities and sororities and they they successfully changed the university's housing policies but she still the reason she left there she ended up going back to the University of Hawaii. She dropped out because this, the discrimination remained. Um, and that's where she did that zoology and chemistry. Um, basically, a lot of stuff was put in her face. And she just basically said, I'm not putting up with it. And and the thing that happened after she got that law degree. So fine, not going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. She got her law degree but and she tried to pass the bar she passed the bar but she could not get licensed and so this is another story and it kind of ties into um to ruth bader ginsburg again because she wasn't allowed to get her license because she was not considered a resident of hawaii and mm. did, and, and did you hear this story about why because i mean again it's insane basically if you were she met her husband at the university of chicago when she was doing her um her law degree and she married a white guy who was doing his graduate degree there and they moved back and by law a woman was supposed to take the residency of her husband
1: and the husband he was from pennsylvania she never set foot in pennsylvania Mm -hmm. but that's That's the whole thing about like they consider women like property it's it's this old archaic laws that kind of tie into like marriage not saying that that's what people get into it for and all that other type of stuff but it's like sort of like insane like how a woman who never set foot in this in that state had most of her life in like born born in hawaii all of a sudden that's no longer her home
0: that's not her home. She yes. wasn't considered. It was, and that's the first thing she fought. She fought against the the bar saying, you know, why should I've never set foot in Pennsylvania? Why does that have to be my state residency? And she proved that she was actually, you know, born, raised Hawaiian, uh, you know, before it was a state and after, you know, at its conception as a state. And so she, that's how she won her license, her law license. And then the next obstacle was nobody would hire her at any of their practices for two reasons. Yep. <laughs> this woman had the whole list. They wouldn't hire because she's a woman wouldn't hire because she, uh, actually three reason wouldn't hire because she's a woman wouldn't hire because she's Asian and would not hire her because she was in an interracial marriage. Yep. And so again, she made like a lot of people we like Bessie Coleman. She's like, I'll make another door. She started her own law practice and then started dedicating herself (laughs) to fighting they said on the basis of sex that was the tie-in to ruth bader ginsburg Mm -hmm. she she fought for things uh that were against that were based on gender ridiculousness (laughs) based on gender um and then she was identified like you said by an anti-war party uh, first she thought she would get into politics when this, when Hawaii became a state, she got in, she wanted to get into local politics. And that's when she first ran for public office and, um, she got elected to the Hawaiian, to the, the house of, um, Hawaii in 1956. And then after, um, it became a state first, they had one representative and then, um, they were given two Uh, representatives and she lost the first election but she won the second and that's how she got into national politics and when she was identified as being you know you know somebody who could win and was anti-war because she was definitely anti-war a party the democratic party in oregon wanted to run her as their candidate for u.s president so i mean this she just made just keep on going
1: (laughs) No, and she just kept moving through. Like I feel like there's a lot of things. Like when we were talking about that, or the episode about Barrett Rustin about like how they would say, like you, they would give you permission saying, "Oh yeah, you can vote," but then you have to go through all this. And it's sort of like mm. her story was definitely testament. Like yeah, you can go get your law degree, but you know you can't practice here because you, you're no longer uh, um, a uh, you know you're no longer resident. a resident of this state you are you can't practice here because you're a woman. You can't practice here because you're in an interracial marriage. Uh, marriage, So, you know, like kind of like saying like, yeah, you can go get these accolades, but we're still going to control what you can do with those accolades. And she decided to be like, F you. And I'm going to go and I'm going to go and I'm going to do this like m- my way, you know? Yeah. And, and, and unapologetic about it, which is another word that we throw around a lot on these episodes, but it's like very it's unapologetic about it. <laughs> And I love that she was unapologetic. And she's like, I'm going to do this. It like in starting from such a young age, like in college, like this, we shouldn't be seg- segregated. So I'm going to do something about it. I I wanted you didn't want to bring me into your medical program. So fine. I'm still going to be successful. So I'm going to go off and do this. And like, you don't want me to be in your law firm. Okay, that's your fault. That's yeah. your bad. You're missing out. Yeah. I'm gonna go off and yeah. do my own thing. And she just always was looking and striving and moving higher and higher and higher and made no apologies for any of that. And she went, and I I, I love that. I think that's what makes her such an interesting character, not not even a character, because she's a real person, but just an interesting person to know about. Um, President Carter, Jimmy Carter, he appointed her to the U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for Ocean's International Environment and Scientific Affairs. Um, and I think she was just a trailblazer for women of color in politics, as well as Asian Americans, um, in politics. And, and I love that she just, she did it all. Like she didn't really, she didn't want to have just like, I'm just going to go off and just be a lawyer. I'm going to go, which is nothing wrong with that. But she was like, I want to be, like I said, I feel like she definitely was like, I want to be a change agent. I want to be part of those conversations, part of those groups, part of that world that wants to make this a better society.
0: Yeah. And speaking of which, because we haven't mentioned, her, her biggest, well, in my mind, the one that influenced me the most is that she wrote to, Title Nine, which for people outside of the U.S., Title Nine is the legislation that basically made sure that um, anything that received federal funding, uh, Gave equal money to, for women or or girls, and this goes all the way down to school funding, particularly for sports. So we've got a great, you know, our our women's soccer team is. <laughs> is better than our, our men's soccer team, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but all, all the foundations for um, a lot of college and high school sports came from that piece of legislation to make sure that there was equity in the funding. And she wrote that. Um, she promoted gender equality um, starting, you know, in 1974. And, and a lot of people won't realize that Title IX is actually named after her. Um, that is something that is not common knowledge in the U S title nine is the Patsy T mink equal opportunity in education act. And, um, I, I never associated her with it, even as much as I have seen my children and other children and myself benefit from, from this, the passage of this law. I played soccer in high school very badly, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I was terrible. Um, but, uh, this is, is part of her legacy and it, it brings to mind something else about all this. Um, a lot of, you know, these, this is legislation that gets passed and, and hopefully makes the world better, but it doesn't change hearts and minds, um, around these things. I think that's why we still have the fights and, and battles that we do in front of us. Um, just cause it, it's put on paper and and made law you know just as you've described people find ways around it because um, the thinking stays the the backward thinking stays um but it doesn't mean you shouldn't try mm. um because then there's whole generations of people that start off realizing you know that, yes, women should be equal. Um, the whole thing about bilingual education is a big deal because there are lots of generations of, of immigrants in this country, um, Italians come r- most readily to mind, that, that stop speaking their own language or teaching it to their children because of bigotry. Uh, but then, you know, we've just had uh, Indigenous Peoples Day slash Columbus Day in the united states yep and it's it's been a a day that was uh i don't know if co-opted is the word but it's become an italian american uh holiday Mm -hmm. you know so that we, we have lots of pride holidays around uh different ethnic heritage you know saint patrick's day um we've got you know cinco de mayo's but there's a lot of stuff around cultural pride to say but but language is essential it is it is the heart of a lot of culture and people suppress that because they were ashamed or didn't want to be targeted. And there are generations of people that lost their their mother tongue because of this, this um, discrimination. And so, you know, we, we take it both ways. We talk out of both sides of our mouths, you know, sticking with the bilingual thing in this country. Um, so it, because we're suppressing uh, as an essential element, I think, of, of culture and we're supposed to be a melting pot. So I think it's, um, she She put a lot of things forward and made them, you know, codified into law. Um, but we still have to catch up around the thinking because, you know, that, that soccer team that is so celebrated around the world is still fighting to be paid the same amount. As, mm-hmm. the, as the, male, the men's team that's not as good. <laughs> um, I know. The thinking hasn't caught up. Totally. Or even, I don't even know if it's halfway. <laughs> Maybe we're two thirds of the way. Um, but I think it's important just to highlight the fact that just because, you know, it doesn't make everything perfect, but I think it does help. And so she put a lot of stuff in, in place. She literally wrote the words that put a lot of stuff in place. She used the power of words to make sure that, that we were moving
1: at least in the right direction. I know. And I think that's what makes her story very engaging and inspiring Is so that, that she she didn't really have anything to go off of. And she just seen a lot of mm-hmm. trauma and terror. And she rose above that and said, you know what, I'm still going to leave this a better place than where I I guess where I found it or where like it was or how it was left for me, you know? Yeah. And she yeah. and she made it like her. It seems like her life's work to do that. Yes. And, um, and I love that she was grounded in education. I love that she had a sense of pride. She kept her, her maiden name. Um, and she was very proud of where she came from and what she was able to accomplish. And I think that's very cool.
0: Yes. We owe her a lot. I, I, she was an amazing woman and we she passed away in 2002, but her legacy lives and. Like a lot of our missing figures, we're still fighting to, you know, realize that great society that um, she helped fight for. There's only 46 Asian Americans serving who have served in the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives, so there's work to do there because, um, you know, the, they are Americans that have contributed to this country and uh, and are a, a very important voice, um, and it's a shame that hers you know, isn't as well-recognized. I mean, it could have blown me away when you said Title IX was named after her. I wouldn't have... I mean, neither. Well, thank you for joining us for the Patsy T. Mink episode of Missing Figures. This was an amazing woman. Check out all the things that she helped put in place, particularly in the United States, um, through her congressional work position, that have moved young women, women forward um there's a lot of work to do i mentioned you know even childcare. that's that's really uh we're finding out how important that is <laughs> right now as we live through a pandemic um, a lot of work to do but there's a lot of exploring you can do with uh, patsy mink and um take her in as, as an example of what's possible and the and the
1: power of words um and what can, it can get done Yes. And, um, thank you for joining us for this episode. If you are, um, if this resonates with you, please let us know if there's another missing figure that you feel like we should take on into account. We're always open to, um, your selections. Feel free to email us, um, DMS, uh, at us, anything that you would like to do. We're always interested and willing to geek out over, um, missing Uh figures that should be well known in, history so until next time my friends thank you for joining us and have a great day thank you everyone speak to you next time bye